Today, I want to just get right into the Word, and uh, the, I guess to title it, um, In Step with the Holy Spirit. And I have a, a quote from someone who I've, I've listened to a lot. Um, you can't do life for Jesus if you're not doing life with Jesus. You catch that? You, you can't do life for Jesus if you're not doing life with Jesus. And uh, that is that picture in my mind of being in step with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's about that doing life with Jesus in the power of the relationship with Him. Not just like, I'm going to go do, and in the doing, I'm showing that I love the Lord. Though that does. I mean, it does show that. It will. But the doing flows out of the relationship, not the other way around. Right? Like, do you understand how that works? I, I know, I think that we all do. But I, I think sometimes it's easy for us to struggle with actually, like, making that a reality in our lives. And, and, I, and maybe I'm just talking to myself. Like, it's just me. So, you know, forgive me, I'll, I'll go ahead and feel bad, and you guys can just be, like, cool, and, and maybe you should be up here instead of me. Um, I don't know. But anyway, I want, uh, how about you stand with me? All, all that can or want to, stand with me. And we're going to read Galatians chapter 5, the whole thing. And that's part of the reason for standing. Um, there's some practical reasons for that too. Um, I think probably back in the day when we bought these chairs, they were rated for 30 minutes. And we well exceed that, I'm sure, most of the time. I, I imagine I'll probably come close to really doing that. But Galatians chapter 5, and I'm reading from the ESV, and that's what's going to be on the screen. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you've fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. 
I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. And some pretty sound, pretty harsh words um, from Paul there. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's pray. Father, your word is truth. And I am so thankful that you have given it to us and not left us to ourselves. You haven't left us to ourselves to figure things out. You haven't left us to ourselves to walk in this life. You haven't left us alone, and I'm so thankful that you haven't left me alone. But you continue to nurture and nourish and challenge and change and correct mostly encourage and I pray that that is what this moment in time today these 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 minutes that we're together hearing your word and participating in this gathering that that's what you do that you encourage that you challenge and that we are changed because your word has changed us and your spirit has empowered us to be changed. I pray that you would bless these words that I say outside of what I have read, that they be completely inside what your word says and accomplish no other thing except what you intend. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.
All right, you can sit down now. So Galatians chapter 5. There are two things that I see and I think that the Word shows that are, are in opposition to one another. Like we see the contrast. Works of the flesh versus fruit of the Spirit. And the first one I want to talk about is, is obviously the first one on the list. Works of the flesh. Works of the flesh are symptoms of the real disease. You get that? So when you see those things that say works of the flesh, those are, those are symptoms of the, the real disease. They're things that are thought or said or done because of what was or perhaps still is in us. And when I say to clarify what was or still is, remnants, you know, when when I say what was, remnants of the flesh, like remnants of that, that which Christ has conquered, and and as we saw in there, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. But I know that there are remnants. Well, we still carry some of the marks of that life before Christ. That we still have to deal with some of those things that kind of tug a war with us. But they've been. In Christ, they've been moved from the inside, like taking dominion and having control, to this outside force just pushing on us. We see it at work in the world, right? The enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil, right? And those things are more the outside than the inside. So that's when I say what was, I'm talking about that. But I could say, perhaps still is, because if Christ has not dislodged that from you, the work of Christ is not complete in you, like saved, delivered, born again, then that's still working around in there. It's still, it's still in there doing something. It still has residence, and it still has a powerful influence, and maybe even control. And I say that because sometimes I believe what we do more than anything is we manage symptoms rather than deal with the disease, right? Like, we're really good at managing symptoms. You ought not, so don't. Well, this is church, therefore this doesn't belong in here. Right? So we do that. Man, we manage the symptoms. You see something, you strike down on it. Make it stop. And honestly, in the world we live in, I'm glad that we manage symptoms. Okay? I, I am. At parents in the room who want some crazy kid running through the house with scissors 
you know, kicking over the furniture and jumping on the brothers and sisters and, you know, and wreaking havoc, climbing through the shelves and eating all the candy, <laughs> you know, knocking over the cereal bowls and just running like mayhem in the house. Like, if you do that, man, we need to talk. <laughs> I mean, if that's the world you live in is unmanaged, you know, un unmanaged symptoms of the fall, we need to do, you need, we need to talk. Or you need to talk to somebody. Maybe I'm not the guy. But there needs to be a conversation. And in the world that we see around us, that there's a sense of, like, if, if we didn't see the symptoms managed, like, the general grace of God does manage the symptoms of sin in the world. Otherwise, it'd be total chaos. Like, we see what happens when the laws are kind of become a little more fluid. Right, we we make jokes about lawyers who learn how to look through all the angles and kind of discover all the loopholes in the law to kind of make sure that you know if you pay me enough money, I can get you out of murder, and just because I can I can work that law and I can make it fit what I need to make it fit. And I'm glad that there is the general grace of God that manages some of the symptoms of the disease in this world, and there's those things that are impressed upon the laws of the land that at least keep most of that at bay, but we see what happens when it when it gets uh, kind of adjusted around. And I'm going to be honest, I think that we're pretty good at that ourselves in a different way. We can lay out the Word, how we can find those loopholes to keep us comfortable and safe inside of what we understand and practice is what we call Christianity. And I say we, not just like we this room, but we kind of the general picture. That we can do that. We can make ways to make scriptures work in a way that keeps us comfortable doing what we've always done. And living how we've always lived. And the Spirit of God will not, thank you Lord, not let us rest there. He doesn't want us just managing symptoms. He doesn't want to manage symptoms in us. He wants to bring healing and restoration. Here's the question. Do we want to just numb the pain? Or, or do we want to fix the systemic problem? Right? Do, do we want to just make it feel better? Or do we want to find out what it is that's causing us to feel bad in the first place and address that? Now I, I'm I'm going to be <sighs> brutally honest. I have lived in a world of heavy stress. Like I know what it's like to be in that space where everything seems like uh, out of control, or I can't control it. And that's the problem. Like, I can't be in control of the situation, so it stresses me out. 
And I think to some degree, probably everybody can hopefully probably identify with that. And if you're like, no, it's just you, Kevin, again, we'll trade places and because I, I want to learn. But I feel the contradictions of what I think I ought to do and what's I'm unable to do around me, and I just it just messes me up. And when I get in those situations, that's very uncomfortable. And that's very painful. So I've become very good at numbing that pain without resorting to things that the church and the world would look at and go, well, that's just plain sinful and rotten and awful. But numbing's still the same. You know, you can watch 38 hours in a row of the Dick Van Dyke show and be like, that's really good. I like it. It's, it's clean, wholesome, funny. But all the while, I'm just... I just don't want to think about all the things that are there that I need to change that needs to be different because it's too much for me to handle. So I just, I don't want to deal with the real problem. I just kind of want to be numb for a while. I just want to not hear it for a while. I just, I want to not see it, feel it, think it for a while. But what that does is that when you kind of come out of your numbness, the stuff is still there. Like the things are still there. The the pain is still comes back. And I'm reminded of who Christ is. The great physician. He doesn't just prescribe painkillers. He performs surgery to remove the cause of the disease. And, and we've, we've heard the word disease so much that we don't really kind of look at it in its pieces. It is dis-ease. Like when your body and your life are at ease, no stresses and nothing hurts. And you feel well. But when you hurt or feel stress or anxiety or frustration or whatever, you are in dis-ease. So disease has become something that we need medicine for. Which really, dis-ease is a lot broader term and we still deal with dis-ease. We have a great physician who wants, desires to step into that space that the fall created and erase it. And he's at work doing that in our lives. And he will do those things as a surgeon with surgical precision. Doesn't mean that sometimes it won't hurt, but he doesn't leave us without ways of negotiating the pain that comes from that. He doesn't leave us without tools. So, to kind of sum up the things that I've said for a second, it's not what you do 
that makes the difference. But what has been, is, and will be done in you by the one who has redeemed you from all the law defines. Say that again. Just, just say it again. It's not what you do that makes the difference, but what has been, is, and will be done in you by the one who has redeemed you from all the law defines. Now, we'll see it in Romans, right? When Paul will say that, he'll say, talk about not knowing the law or not knowing sin, and the law revealed it. The law showed it up. Like apart from the law, I didn't know that. Now the law has come and I understand it. Now the effects of it are very, very clear. Something needs to be done. There are consequences. Now I see them, but what do I do? Like, his people had the law all along, but still fell and struggled and and couldn't win. Now Paul talks from, but Christ came and he conquered it. And he left and brought his spirit to give us power over those things again. To not leave us in this place of trying to numb and correct and fix, but in a place where we can receive His presence, His power, His purposes, and do, live, walk something completely different under a power that is greater than our own to do it. When I... And I have to do this, just a thing, and forgive me if it's anything other than what I intend, but I just think of Bugs Bunny. I do. I go there. It's my mind. It goes there. And there's a, a Bugs Bunny cartoon where, where Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd, which are these rivals all the time, Bugs Bunny's always trying to kill the wabbit, and there's that going on, right? Smile, not if you understand where I'm coming from. It's okay. Bugs Bunny's not evil. Oh, he's bad, but he's not evil. <laughs> he's a cartoon. Well, that might be debatable. All right, let's just not. I'm, I'm distracting myself here. So, young Elmer Fudd, young Bugs Bunny, and there's the chase thing and everything else. Well, Bugs Bunny runs and diverts somewhere, and Elmer Fudd just runs right off a cliff. Well, he doesn't fall. He just walks on a cross. And he looks over at the camera and says, We haven't studied gravity yet. So, next scene. Bugs Bunny. Sticking a, a law of physics for little kids or whatever in front of him. And he's like, oh, you know what happens. The next scene, he run off the cliff. You know. Now that's silly. And it doesn't work that way. But when you look at that picture that Paul is painting in Romans, I kind of like it makes that like clear. Before the law was there, we were oblivious to, I mean, whatever. Just whatever. We did whatever. We thought whatever. We felt whatever. And it's like, 
I don't know. I mean, other than looking at people who are different or better or whatever, he's like, well, whatever. Yeah, I guess it's those religious people and that's what they do, you know. But then the law comes and we see we don't match up. Gravity. Oh, gravity. And the fall. So, more things. So, Bugs Bunny has benefit. All those years in front of the TV watching cartoons were not in vain. Wouldn't all right, I wouldn't suggest you raise your kids that way, but I it worked. We look we look for ways to slip around the law as if we still live under it. Or one of the other options, the other ditch. We live like hellions as if we are above it. But the reality is that in Christ, in Christ, we live as having fulfilled it. The law's work is complete in Him. He kept every single one. It's complete in Him. He came to complete, not abolish. But its mission is completed in us to do what? To bring us to Christ. The schoolmaster, right? The schoolmaster to, to bring us to Christ. So, living in Christ, and I'll say in step with the Holy Spirit, brings us out of the corrective work of the law and into a life of faith in the work of Christ and the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. The law then for us is no longer chains and iron bars, but a mirror. The law is a mirror. If we look in it and see the flaws exposed, then we will submit to the corrective work of the Holy Spirit. You hear what I'm saying there? The law is no longer chains and iron bars, but it is a mirror. If we look in it and we see the flaws exposed, then we will submit to the corrective work of the Holy Spirit. And we've talked about that in spaces, about repentance and what that means to repent, to turn, not just to turn away from whatever, but but it's a turning toward God. Not just away from the thing in some direction or other, but, but toward God. And that takes us from the works of the flesh, which is these, the symptoms, to the revealing law of God that shows us that we have a disease that needs to be addressed, to the work of Christ, the, the great physician, the, the pinpoint accurate surgeon who goes in and removes those things by his power to the work of the Holy Spirit in convicting us and shining a light on the law and making, it, making us aware that we don't fit in to having someone, and again, we talk about that, having an advocate, 
an intercessor. And it brings us to that place to see and submit to the corrective work of the Holy Spirit. Now we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. So if the works of the flesh are the symptoms of the disease, the fruit of the Spirit is signs of work being done in us. The fruit of the Spirit are the signs of life, new life in the new creation we are in Christ. And I I must say this too. It's not doing, it's being. You hear what I'm saying there in, in making that distinction? It's not doing, it's being. Yeah, anybody been around fruit trees? Fruit trees, seen them? Like, you know, walked underneath one? Do you ever hear a fruit tree grunting? You know, orange, 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 orange! Nope, I have not heard that yet. Like, I haven't seen a fruit tree struggling to bear fruit. Bearing, no, it happens. Why? Because it was created to bear fruit. And if the insides are healthy and strong and vibrant, then fruit comes out. The fruit is not the product of working of the tree. The the fruit is a product of the tree just receiving the life flowing out through it. So it's not doing, but being. What's in shows out. It will. Like you can do stuff, again, we can do stuff to mask the pain, cover the symptoms or whatever. We can address the symptoms. But what's inside will come out. It just will. What's inside will come out. It will show through some way or another. Luke. Um, Jesus says it very well. Luke chapter 6, verses 43 through 45. I hope I got that. Yeah, we got that up there. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of his heart, or abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Now Jesus will also say, when they call him good, there is none good but God. So if we do a little, you know, a little calisthenics here, we could say, well, I mean, well, nobody's good, so no one's going to bear good fruit. We're all evil. There you go. Point it all out. See, there's none good. There's no, not one. Exactly right. But God, right? But God, but God, the 
the the awesome words in the Bible, the most awesome words, just spoken and, and thought of as, but God. Like, bound for hell, bent toward destruction, bent to do whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it, however I want to do it, all the way to hell. Bent that way. Going that way. Sometimes hard. Sometimes up near to religion, enough to hope I got enough good to outweigh the bad, which is all the rest of the religions in the world. But bent. But God. But God. Left to ourselves, we will go to hell. Not because we didn't receive Jesus, or hear about Jesus, or accept Jesus, but because sin is in our hearts. It just is. We are born bent to go away from God as hard as we can. Do what we want to do. And do what I want to do the way I want to do it is automatically away from God. But toward God is automatically away from everything else. You hear what I'm saying? Toward God is automatically away from the stuff of the flesh. Toward God is automatically away from the things that give us that disease. What is in shows out. But when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, and when we talk about living by the Spirit and keeping in step with the Spirit, there are three things, there are three things of action that we look at. There are three phrases that show up in this, and I'm going to share from Ephesians here in a minute too. Walk by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. And be filled with the Spirit. Three things of action that, that we see. They're, they've got action in them. Walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit. The first, walk by the Spirit. It's, it's said um, in verse 25 of Galatians 5, where it says, um, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So, that is to picture... And and so, like when I like in this illustration and these these parts that that I get to here in this, I really owe a lot to a guy that I've listened to, and I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna plagiarize something and be like, look at look at all the things I came up with. No, I've watched a lot of preachers and I've listened to a lot of stuff and read a lot of different things. So it's not like, you know, I'm just coming up with this. It's 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 just a lot of listening and learning, and. And comparing it to the Word of God, but I owe a lot to Andrew Wilson. It's like it's Andrew, right? Because I want to I mess his name up all the time. You know, watch that video by John Wilson. No, Bill Wilson, Pete Wilson. I don't know, but it's Andrew. Keep in step with the Spirit. So I picture marching. Now, if you've been in the military at all, you understand marching. Right? I mean, that's, that's a concept that still, I think that's still, do they still do that? Okay, marching, right? That's a concept that you're taught. 
And I'm sure you show up, like they show up at, at boot and they're just like, oh, in it. They're just like, you know, they form a line, they just go, it's a natural thing. Or is it something that has to be kind of like you? No, right? Like dress right or well, dress dress how? Right? Okay, so so it's something that has to be learned. Now, my only marching, and I wasn't in the band, I was in Boy Scouts, and we marched in the parade. And if you want to call that marching, that's the funniest thing you'll ever want to see because stepping together with a sign, you know, in front of a float is awkward. And you're looking around at people, and you're not like, you know, guys march together, you know, but it never worked because squirrel, you know. But being in step is, you know, like, so there's rows of people. Like, there's just a crowd here. And so get the lines straight. You learn how to get the lines straight. But at this point, it's not really so important about person next to you or anything else. Just, like, get your gap right. You know what it's supposed to be. Now we start to march. Somebody is calling out cadence. Somebody is saying, this is how we step. But there's also somebody out there, and depending on where you come from, and I don't know, I'm like not the marching expert at all. So if I, if I blow this, Chuck, straighten me out. You know, I don't want ignorance to be bliss. I won't be happy if I got this wrong. But there's someone calling cadence, but there's also someone that you look at that's kind of like, this is your mark. You're following this person. And so when it comes to a straight line, we get that figured out, like how to do the steps and straight line thing. Now you got a wheel, right? They come to a corner and the person on the inside is doing this and the person on the outside is, you know, stepping a lot, right? Because you've got to go around a corner somehow or other. So so we picture that is like if if I'm looking at this guy over here and that guy, and I'm in the middle someplace, and I'm be like, okay, uh, and it's gonna be like chaos, right? You can see that. It's gonna be like it's just gonna look okay, just fall down a flight of steps, it's gonna look prettier than this, right? So you're gonna keep your eye on a fixed point of reference of someone who's Leading and pacing and everything else. And that's the Holy Spirit. So when we say keep in step with the Holy Spirit, it's not comparative. I'm going to look over here at you and I look over here and hmm, kind of, I'm kind of halfway doing this all right. No, it's by the one who's calling out the cadence. It's the one who is leading the steps. Keep in step with Him. And you'll walk this out. Be led by the Spirit.
it. Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise.
Okay, give that. want to be out there we should we should be out there what is the wind of the spirit kind of finally what is the wind of the spirit
waiting. God said to me, And that's where I've been the most challenged. This is where I mess up the most. Because there's more opportunity for me to mess up in those spaces. Let's, I want to close us in prayer. Or at least this, this part.
Amen.